Indeed. Thank you much indeed for leading us in worship. Much appreciated. So uh, what do you have if you have uh, 10 apples in one hand and 12 apples in the other? You've got big hands. That's right. You've got big hands. Well done. Okay, I asked this question a few years ago. Well, I want to ask this question again. Some of you may remember there's sort of an obvious answer, a not-so-obvious answer. Uh, what have I got in my hand? I shouldn't have said, I should have asked the question, what have, what have I got in my hand? It's, a, it's an apple. Okay, good, an apple. Um, but there's something unseen about this apple that means that, in a way, it's more than an apple. It's an orchard. You remember that from years ago? <laughs> so in my hand, there is an apple. There's a potential apple tree. There's a whole series of apple trees. And in fact, there is the potential for enough apples to feed everyone in the world inside this apple. There is an abundance of apples contained inside this apple. Whenever Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and, and the dynamic nature of the kingdom of God, he tended to use agricultural parables. The reason why he used parables at all was because in humility he realized that it was the Holy Spirit who would actually spark off faith in people. And so he spoke in parables, even the Old Testament prophets recognized this, they were told by God that Jesus would come and speak in parables because it would be the Holy Spirit who would take the Word of God and would plant it in people's hearts. And so Jesus in humility would tell the stories and would leave it to the Holy Spirit as to what would happen. He told stories that were very familiar in their metaphors and their realities. He spoke about mustard seeds. He spoke about yeast, about weeds and uh, wheat and uh, sores and all, all sorts of things. In fact, in that chapter that Rowan read for the, from this morning, we have the parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, the yeast, and also the parable of the mustard. See, we aren't so familiar with mustard trees, so we're using something more familiar today, apples and apple trees. Jesus told parables and he, he, he told them in language that people could understand, but inside them they had the kingdom of God contained. And he told them always for a response. He wasn't just giving information about the kingdom of God. He was inviting people into the kingdom of God. And so parables always begged a response from people. Like the parable of Good Samaritan, Go and do likewise. The parables are inviting us into God's kingdom. They're inviting us into the dynamism of God's kingdom, the movement of God's kingdom. A few weeks ago, whenever we were thinking about, we were celebrating communion and also celebrating the availability of healing today. And so we had a wonderful time of prayer for healing, and it's been wonderful to hear some of the stories of healing that have come out of that. And we talked about the train coming into the station, and the kingdom of God train, and the, the engine is like, 
It's like Jesus being born and living and dying for us in our place and bringing forgiveness and then rising that we may have life in his name. And with Jesus being born, the kingdom of God, the engine has come into the station and the kingdom of God continues to rule on. And so the carriages are coming into the station, the long-awaited train is coming in. And yet, in that, we just, and that means we, see, we do see healing. We see people coming to faith in Christ. And yet, because all the carriages have not yet come into the station, sometimes we pray and pray and pray and pray, and what we know is the Lord's will, what we pray for the Lord's will, doesn't seem to happen. And the answer is because the last carriage will not come in until Jesus returns. When there'll be no more sickness and no more death and no more pain and no more crying because the train has arrived into the station. Jesus didn't use the metaphor of trains, A, because he didn't know about trains, and B, because the people he was talking to would have known about trains either, but we know about trains. What Jesus talked about were mustard seeds and mustard trees and wheat and corn. Jesus didn't talk about the agricultural metaphors because people would understand them in terms of their everyday reality. He also spoke about it because I imagine the same Holy Spirit who brought creation into being or brooded over creation as creation came into being through Jesus, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit was the one that helped that birth happen. The Holy Spirit was brooding over the waters, a bit like a mother hen broods over an egg. The Holy Spirit was there. Jesus, as it were, was the creation. He was the, uh, my metaphors are a bit mixed here, he was the egg. But, but the Holy Spirit was the one who was doing the brooding. And the same thing happens today. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is the seed of God. He is what brings the kingdom of God to reality. It is the Holy Spirit who does the brooding and the nurturing and the midwifery of bringing people into the kingdom of God. And the same Holy Spirit who did that and who sustains creation, who gives us very breath in our bodies, who makes the planet spin and the harvest come every year, the same Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit who takes the seed of God, not the apple of God, but the seed of God, and plants it in our lives and makes growth happen. So no wonder Jesus spoke about the Spirit, of Je- the Spirit of God at work in creation because the same Spirit of God works in the same way in human beings' hearts and lives. And so Jesus said the kingdom of God is like, well, pick something from creation because the same Holy Spirit is doing it. It's like a mustard seed that a farmer comes and plants in the ground and and it grows and becomes a big tree, and the birds of the air come and they nest in it, and it's a wonderful place of protection and provision, and it's, it's a blessing to everybody. And the main things he wants to tell us in that parable is that the kingdom of God, when it comes, looks utterly insignificant. And the second thing he wants to tell us is that the kingdom of God grows over time. It's a process. Often we're looking for the big boom. We're looking for the, dy- for the dynamic, for the dramatic, for the big moments. And there are big moments. The birth of Jesus Christ, the fall of the Berlin Wall, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are big moments. 
And yet most things, all things happen as part of a process. And that process, the kingdom project of God, is a process in the parables that Jesus Christ is inviting us into. In fact, even today, by the parable, He is inviting us into the kingdom of God. He's not telling us it for just information purposes. He's telling us because He wants us to step into the kingdom of God and to be involved. So the limit of that metaphor of the train is that we cannot really, because it's not very safe, to be sort of standing in the station going, come on train, into the station. It's not really a great metaphor with that, but in a way we could say, yes, push it on or jump on the train, because the parables of Jesus are invitations to join in the growth of the kingdom. So how do you and I join in the growth of the kingdom? How can we be instrumental in the growth of the kingdom? Because there's a partnership going on here, and Jesus invites us to be participants in the actual proliferation and growth of his kingdom. You and I can actually actively build and grow the kingdom of God. Well, we're partners with Jesus who builds it, but we can actually help it happen. It's an amazing invitation that Jesus Christ gives us. So the first thing is that we need to know what Jesus Christ has actually given us. Traditionally, in the, uh, in the Church of Ireland over the number of centuries, there's a lectionary which goes through the Bible every year or two, every three years altogether. And the first half of the teaching of every year, we sometimes stick to it, sometimes we do our own thing. Um, but the first half of it from Advent, which this year was the start of December, through to the middle of spring, is all about the doctrine of the Christian church. In other words, understanding, six months of the year is spent understanding what's it all about. Who is God and who are we? And what has He given us in the kingdom of God? What did Jesus mean when He said, the Father has been pleased, little flock, to give you the kingdom of God? You see, inside this apple, as we've already said, is the DNA of enough apples to feed everyone in the world. There's this little seed. I have to keep it in a, in a little thing because it's easy to lose. Whenever we come to faith in Christ, whenever Julie invited the Lord into her life, whenever we invite the Lord into our life, the Word of God, the seed of God, is planted in our lives. And it's not as if God gives us this little fragment of the kingdom of God. He actually gives us everything of the kingdom of God. What's placed inside of us, if nurtured, has the potential spiritually to feed the entire world. Because in this seed is the potential for orchard after orchard after orchard. There is the DNA in this to feed the entire world, and we have had that planted in each and every one of us. And the wonderful thing is, so often we feel, as Julie said, we feel, we feel and we are, we, we are, we are unworthy. We feel that our lives are a mess. What would God want to do come into our lives? And the reality is, God loves the place of mess. So the first thing we need to do in the kingdom of God in nurturing this, because 
It'll not become anything more than a seed unless it is stewarded and nurtured well. So the first thing we need to know is we need to know what we have. We have been given the entire kingdom of God into our hearts and lives. We have been washed clean, made new. We are new creations. We have the Word of God placed in us, the Word of God that makes us clean, and the Word of God which has the infinite, unstoppable purposes of God all contained within it. Every single one of us as believers have the kingdom of God and all of its fullness placed inside us. There is untold power in the kingdom of God inside each one of us. We just need to know what we have. So often what happens in our lives is that we, we're looking at what other people have and what other people have been given, and so we become disillusioned and disappointed and grumpy as well. But if we focus on what God has actually given us, if we have a heart of thankfulness, it's like fertilizer because the kingdom grows powerfully in the place of thankfulness. So we need to know what we have, not look around to what other people have. We have to know what we've been given and be thankful that God has placed his almighty seed inside us. And so we focus on what we've been given. We don't focus on what we imagine we haven't been given. The second thing we need to do is that we need to sow what we have. We need, so for instance, this seed, if I throw it down that nice dry carpet of the church, what will happen when I come back next week or next month or next year? Nothing. It's too dry, it's too clean, growth will not happen. For it to happen, it has to go into the dirt. It has to go into the mess, it has to go into the mire, into the fertilizer, into the dung of this world, because that is where the seed of God's word grows most powerfully and most dynamically. So often when we come up against a situation where someone says, I've been given three months to live, our faith goes whoosh. Or someone says, you will never convince me to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Our faith goes whoosh. Exactly the opposite should happen. Because it's in the place of mess and hostility that the seed of God's word grows most powerfully. What has strengthened the church most over the last 2,000 years? Persecution. The more hostile the environment, the more powerfully and quickly the kingdom of God grows. And so when we come up against challenges of doubt or lack of resources or injustice, and we think, well, our hands are empty. We have nothing to give. What do we do about global poverty? What do we do about my brother and sister who don't have faith in Christ? What do we do about our brother or neighbor who is who is sick and looks as if they're dying, what do we do? We take this seed and we throw it into the dirt. 
and we say, I believe God can do something in the midst of brokenness. In fact, I believe that it is in the very place of brokenness where God's glory shows up. And so we give the word of encouragement, and so we pray for that person to be healed or that person to come to faith. We trust the fact that the same seed that has brought life to us can do absolutely anything everywhere, and we never stop believing it. Because it's only in the place of dirt and brokenness and bereavement and disappointment and sickness that God's power is shown. Whenever we come up against that, injustice or sickness or disappointment or grief or whatever it happens to be, we should go, this is a fantastic opportunity. Because God's glory has an opportunity to shine in this situation. And I am going to keep just throwing the seed into the dirt. I'm going to keep believing and keep hoping and keep praying and keep offering and keep sharing about my Christian faith. I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to be patient because I know that nothing can stop God's word. And I'm going to be patient because mustard seeds take a long time to grow into trees. Apple seeds take a long time to grow into orchards. And God's kingdom is all about process. And the last way that we are involved in the kingdom of God growing is by celebrating the increase and the growth that God brings. Why did I ask Julie to come up this morning and share her faith? Because when we celebrate what God has done, we are building the kingdom of God. It's as simple as that. How does the kingdom of God grow? Well, in our services, in our life groups, in our workplaces, in our families, we just tell people the good thing that God has done. No matter how small it is, we tell people what God has done. And the kingdom of God grows. We have to know what we have. We have to sow what we have. And we celebrate what God has done. And if we do that as God's people, the kingdom of God will just keep and keep and keep on growing. An American pastor and author called John Wimber prayed for nine months that people would be healed. He really went to town on, on praying that people would, of, would be healed of all sorts of things. He did it for nine months. At the an, end of nine months, he was utterly despondent because he had seen no one healed. In fact, on a number of occasions, he caught the thing that he was praying for the person to be healed of. And it came to the point where uh, he received a phone call one day to go out to a lady's house because she was very ill. He went out and he arrived and the woman looked very ill. And he got really angry with God. And he said to God, why are you getting me into this? These people actually believe that you're going to do something, but thus far it seems to me you've done nothing. But nonetheless, he prayed for the woman and she was healed instantly. And John Wimber came out of the house and he went, we've got one! 
Why? Because he knew that celebrating the increase in what God has done builds the kingdom of God. In time, thousands and thousands of people were healed through the people who belonged to that church. There have been tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people healed throughout the world because of that one moment of coming out of that house as the people of God were released throughout the world to do exactly the same thing. So who here today has ever prayed and seen God answer prayer in a miraculous way? Do you understand what God has placed in your hand? He has placed the kingdom of God in your hand because you've seen once what he can do, and he's saying to you, do it again. Don't just do it periodically. Don't just do it that you can think, yes, well, five years ago or 10 years ago, let's become like Jesus. It becomes an everyday reality. Who has ever shared their faith and seen the light come on and, and, and seen someone come to faith in Christ? Do you know what God has placed in your hand? You've seen it once, do it again. Who has ever prayed for someone to be healed and they have been healed? Do you know what God has placed in your hand? You've seen it once, do it again. And the wonderful thing about God's kingdom is that actually even in seeing, as the disciples did, they saw Jesus do it and it actually sparked off faith that they could do it too by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's that intriguing verse in the middle of John's gospel, Matthew's gospel, chapter 13. It's in the midst of the parable of the sower, uh, Matthew 13, 12. And Jesus says that very sort of puzzling and enigmatic verse. He says, to everyone who has, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. It seems wholly unjust and wholly unfair, but he's not speaking about our earthly economics. He's speaking about kingdom of God realities. To the one to whom it has been given and who realizes that they have the Word of God and they've seen the Word of God bring faith and bring healing and bring hope and bring answers to prayer and bring encouragement and bring justice to everyone who realizes the power that has been placed in them through repentance and faith, Jesus coming to live inside them and who is willing to plant it in the dirt more will be given. It's like the parable of the talents. You invest it, you get more, you're given more, you get it, you invest more, you're given more, you're given more again, and you will have an abundance. But what do you have to do? You have to know what you have and sow what you have and celebrate the increase. And what's the alternative? The alternative is that if you don't have it, even what you have will be taken from you. 
If you don't come to faith in Christ, if you don't invite him into your life, if you don't receive forgiveness and regeneration, if your hand remains empty and you have no seed, even the hand that you have will be taken away from you. The starting point of all this is inviting Jesus Christ into your life. Inviting him into the mess and the dirt and the dung of your life and saying, Lord, I cannot fix it, but I believe you can. And you say, Lord, I know what's inhospitable. I know it's hostile territory. But as Julia has shown, as Dale talked about last night, you just say, Lord, I'm here. I receive you. Come into my life. And he always comes. And from small beginnings, great things grow. They take time, but great things grow. And we can continue to participate in the growth of the kingdom of God by believing in the unseen, unstoppable, infinite purposes of God that he's placed inside us. So Paul the Apostle said, eagerly desire the greater gifts Desire prophecy, desire words of knowledge, desire evangelism, desire hospitality. Perhaps the way God primarily works through you is occasionally you hear someone say to you, I'm so glad for your help. I'm so glad you've been there for me. I couldn't have done it without you. Perhaps your gift is a gift of practical help. Perhaps your gift is a gift of mercy. Whatever it happens to be, Know what God has given you and keep planting and keep planting and keep planting and you will see an abundance of fruit. Shall we stand together?